in this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. It is part two of a two-part series. In the first episode, in the Rookie Review, Volume 3, we covered Victor Wimbayama and Chet Holmgren, who is going to win Rookie of the Year. We did a whole segment on Jaime Jaquez. We talked about Brandon Miller and Derek Lively, and we teased a little bit about Brandon Pajemski. So in this episode, we're going to talk about Brandon Pajemski, Keontae George, the Thompson Twins, Scoot Henderson, and more. So stay tuned for Rookie Review, Volume 3, Episode 2. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And in this case, hopefully it's your second mm. Locked On NBA Big Board listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. To my left in person, but to my right on the screen is my brother, James Barlow, who we have not found a nickname for yet. I don't I don't know, man. We got we to gotta think of a, a, a name for you. Leaf is the guy that watches more college basketball than anyone else. Richard Stamen is the clip guy because he's known for posting clips all over Twitter. We got to we got to give a we got to find you a name. So we'll <laughs> I would say let the audience decide. Nah, man, they be calling me all kinds <laughs> of stuff, man. We'll see. Look, I'll, let, let, even though hold on, even though I received a call, okay, yesterday from an NBA executive who was saying that he thought you were a great mm. addition. To the podcast, he said he likes your takes. He said that um, <laughs> no, no, no need to get the big head right now. But no, he said that he he appreciated your takes. He thought that you did an excellent job coming up with some points on the the Nikola Topic and Alex Sar episode where we talked about what they should what they should do, whether or not they should sit out. So I do want to let you know that you, you you did receive some good feedback. But before we get into this episode, I want to let you know that it's brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. And right now, if you are a new customer, you can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. All right. So the last episode, like I said, we teased a little bit about Pajemski. We talked a lot about fit and how it has helped Derek Lively and Jaime Jaquez you know, become like top five rookies as as of today. Pajipski is a guy that, you know, is, is weird because it's a combination of fit, but also if you would have told me three months ago about his fit with the Warriors, I would have said, oh, yeah, at best he's going to be their third point guard. He's going to be someone that is going to play a lot at Santa Cruz. I was totally wrong about that because he's starting. I think he, you had mentioned last episode, if he plays a certain amount of minutes, he's getting you 10, 5, and 5. So it's like weird because on paper, you wouldn't think it was a good fit for him right away as a rookie to contribute. And it's crazy because we've heard stories, complaints, whatever. Moses Moody. Every time I say Moses Moody, I want to just Mo- butcher his name like Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> if but, you missed it, on draft night, I don't know how you missed that. Kendrick Perkins, Moses, who, who, who I wouldn't call like the greatest 
articulator. I don't even know if that's a word. It's or, really struggle. Orator. orator. <laughs> he's not. Nah, he's like, he struggled with the name Moses Moody, Moses. and that's going to be a joke going forward. So we, we heard Moses Moody complain or allegedly complain about minutes. We've heard Kaminga say, man, you know, hey, I don't know what my role they is. They say he went straight to the athletic. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he got after on, a game. He got on the phone <laughs> and made a call. He was, he said, yo. They say he was his own source. Yeah. Hey, Shams, yo, <laughs> I don't trust Steve right. Kerr. The funniest thing ever was he cut his hair the next day. Somebody tweeted. He was like, hmm, I wonder if I cut my hair, he'll mistake me for a veteran and play me more minutes. <laughs> and he played, though. <laughs> he played 36 he minutes. He played 36 minutes right afterwards. Yo, I wish I wrote that joke, man. That was funny. But so, like, yeah, Pajemski, like, somehow he's he's fighting his way through the cracks and he's getting minutes and he's playing. And he's being very, very productive. Like I said on a previous pod, you play him over 20 minutes, it's 10, 5, and 4. You play him over 30 minutes, he's 13, 7, and 4. It's just funny to me because he just does not look like a basketball player. Like, he's not super long. He's not super cut. Uh, he plays below the rim, but he somehow grabs rebounds. Like, he's just... He's an excellent, excellent, excellent rebounder. It's crazy because... Brandon Pajemski, I mean, he's not a small guy. I think he's listed at like 6'4", 6'5". But he doesn't look 6'4", 6'. I don't know, but he just doesn't. He does, He's by far the least athletic dude on that team, but it doesn't matter because he's getting the job done. But go ahead, what were you saying? This is going to sound wild. Jaron Jackson Jr. needs to study Brandon Pajemski <laughs> tape because Pajemski goes and gets rebounds. Like, he... He is a guy that, I mean, one, he just has a, a nose for the basketball, but he goes and gets rebounds. Like, that's, to me, that's like the biggest knock on, on Triple J is that he doesn't rebound. And you look at a guy like Pajemski, there's no way that that if there's a 50-50 ball, I, I feel like my money would be on Pajemski over Jaron Jackson Jr. But that's that's just kind of But funny. even then, like, okay, if you don't want to sit here and say Jaron Jackson Jr., maybe he's out of place because he's blocking shots. Like, Andrew Wiggins is the, the well, maybe not now because he's been hurt, but coming out of college, like, yo, he was the most athletic dude in the world. I mean, he was kind of stiff dribbling the ball standing up. That's another conversation. But, like, he just started rebounding two years ago in the finals. Yeah. And they were like, yo, why don't you rebound? He's like, I don't know. And, then and it's like, really only like two or three games that padded his rebounding. Exactly. For that, for so that it's series. like in, in, in pods, in the same amount of minutes this year is out-rebounding Andrew Wiggins. So it's not an athleticism thing. It's just a I'm going to go get the ball kind of thing. And, on, you know, back to pods, you know, again, I said he doesn't look like the type. That doesn't matter. Shooting 42% from three. 46% overall from the field. Like, he's just very, very productive. And, again, like we said, have you if you you thought, you thought he was going to be in uh, Santa Clara, right? Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, excuse me, because he was at Santa Clara for college. My bad. But to see him, like, fifth, sixth, maybe seventh on the rookie rankings, man, shout out to him. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, the eye test, I remember having this conversation. I remember exactly where I was in the car when, when we had the conversation. And I was talking to an agent friend of mine, and he was just saying, it's like, man, I don't know about Pajemski. He was like, he doesn't pass my eye test. He's like, there's some things that he, he does very well, but I just don't know about him. He says, I left the game 
underwhelmed with his performance. And then he says, I get on my phone, I'm like, he had 25 points, eight rebounds, and six assists, and he made 40% of his threes. And he was like, he's a tough eval for me because visually he was having a hard time seeing how he fit in the NBA, but at the same time he was like, you can't deny the production. He's had good games against Gonzaga. So he was kind of struggling with it, but he said he felt like a bunch of NBA teams were having the same issue. And I think in reality, you see that because he may not have passed the eye test, that's why he fell where he fell because, I mean, he did go high in the draft. Nobody a year, maybe 10 months prior had him going in the first round. He ends up being the 19th pick. But here he is, the 19th pick. But you can make a case to say he's been one of the top five rookies in this draft class. I would say six at worst. And so you have a lot of teams that passed him up, and you have a lot of guys that were selected ahead of him that have not been close to as productive. So, I mean, I do think that the eye test could be a reason why he fell to 19. Hey, opportunity is everything. And, again, he just he finds a way. He found a way to get in that rotation, and he's been productive. All right, when we return, we're going to talk about Scoot Henderson and Keontae George, two rookie point guards that have had, well, I would say this, their expectations were, were totally different coming into the season. So James is going to give his thoughts on Scoot and Keontae. Stay tuned. But before we get into that, let's talk about FanDuel. The NFL regular season has wrapped up, but there is still plenty of time to get in on the action with FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Right now, if you are a new customer, you get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. And that happens when you place a $5 bet. That is $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is very simple. It's very easy to use. They have same game parlays. You can find bets in the brand new Explore tab. And they have a place where you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n and make your first bet a layup fandle the official partner of the nfl and locked on locked on has launched the first ever the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel you got to check it out locked on sports today we have all the coverage from your local experts and the national show. So check it out. The first ever 24 hours a day, seven days a week streaming channel locked on sports today on YouTube. Subscribe, comment, share. Again, history has been made. The first ever national sports 24 seven streaming channel locked on sports today. All right, second segment. Let's talk about Scoot Henderson. Scoot has been... I think it's fair to say he's been a, a disappointment simply because there was one point where people thought he was the most NBA-ready prospect last year outside of Victor Wimbayama. There were people that compared him to the next great point guard. You know, I mean, I saw comparisons to Derrick Rose. I saw John Morant. I saw a lot of different comparisons. He got off to a rocky start. And then he was set back with the injuries. He's shown some flashes of late. I think there's still a chance where he could creep up to the top five. 
I mean, I think it's somewhat of an uphill battle. He still believes that he's in the running for Rookie of the Year. But what have think that. What have been your thoughts on, on Scoot Henderson so far? You know what? Hold on. Let me let me ask you a question. Oh, uh, no, no. Don't ask me. Let me ask you a question. All right, so you weren't as high on Scoot as others, right? Yep. Some people borderline call you a Scoot hater. I know you're not no hater, but seeing what you thought of him coming in. First of all, I'm a Blazers fan. So I wouldn't root against him All by right. any means. It makes no sense for me to be like, I told you so I was right, and then go against my team. Right. So with your evaluation of him coming into the draft, again, you didn't say you didn't see generational. Obviously you had Brandon Miller going number two, right? What is your fair assessment of him? Do you still think he's a disappointment compared in comparison to what you thought of him coming into the draft? For what I thought, no. I, I like. I guess the issue that I had was, you know, when the comments was, he would be the first pick in any other draft. And I said all last year, he wouldn't have been number one over Cade. He wouldn't have been number one over Zion. He wasn't going to be number one over, over Aiton. Um, I don't think he would have went number one over... I don't think he would have went number one in any of the last five drafts. So I thought that the hype after the one game against Victor, which, I mean, that was a phenomenal game, and I get why people were really high on him after that, but I felt like not enough people were paying attention to what happened during the Ignite season last year. He'd play a little bit, don't play. I felt like they were shutting him down to protect his draft stock because I had real concerns about the shooting. The first year, I thought, okay, you know what? It's a huge adjustment going from high school to the NBA three-point line. So I wasn't too worried about his NBA three-point shooting percentage. The numbers were better last year, but I still have major concerns about him as a shooter. Well, this year, those shooting concerns have been I mean, they've been amplified, even though I think his last 10 games, he's shooting about 41% from three. But if you just look at the numbers, the numbers are bad on paper, right? The shooting numbers. But if you look at the games, you see like, all right, he's passing up a lot of wide open shots. Teams are going way under on the screens. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very difficult to have success as a primary ball handler, if you can't shoot because, I mean, you're messing up the spacing and the pick and roll and so on. So I'm not surprised. I didn't think he'd be shooting like 36 or 37% through 20-something games. Mm -hmm. But I'm not surprised that he hasn't been the player that a lot of people thought he was going to be. Okay. So, Scoop, back on me here. In December, he came back from injury. Since he's come back from injury, he's been at 13 points, three rebounds, five assists, uh, 37% from the field, 35% from three, 76% uh, from the free throw line. So in January, we just started January, he's at 14 for eight assists per game. A couple of those games, I think Simons was out. So, like, he's been productive, and he can't – he still has a ways to go. He still has a learning curve as 
all point guards do. But like you said, shooting off the dribble is going to have to just improve. I watched the game against the Knicks the other night, and like it was just no different than any other game. They're fighting to get under his screens, like you said, throws off the spacing. But even worse than that is like there are catch-and-shoot threes opportunities. He just doesn't shoot them. He would rather shoot a one-dribble pull-up. It's not the 80s, man. Days is over. You got to let those you got to let those open threes go. Yeah. But like, you know, hearing you talk about him not paying attention to like the hype. I would say he's having a good season. It can be better. The same shooting concerns we have for him, we're going to have about Isaiah Collier next year. We're going to have the same shooting concerns for Nikola Topic next year. So it's like he's getting But I think Nikola Topic can shoot the catch and shoot three. And I think he will. Hey, at the end of the day, if he's shooting 31% from three, like he is now, we're going to have, we're going to just call it what it is, shooting concerns. So, Scoot has been productive. Uh, he shows flashes. Again, that athleticism, all of that, that stuff is, is good. I feel like the game is slowing down for him. His pace is improving. Uh, finishing at the basket, again, you can't, I don't care how athletic you are, you're still 6'3". And you're not going to be able to finish over everybody in the paint. So I still want to see a floater. But when we talked about it either either on the previous uh, segment or the previous pod, when they shut down Simons, when they trade Jeremy Grant, trade Malcolm Brogdon, he's going to put up great numbers. And it's going to boost it. And it maybe boosts his confidence too. So I'm not I'm – not, obviously nobody's bust right now because it's, it's January, but – I can see Scoot trending upward here on out this year just because of opportunity and just being more comfortable. Well, I think he has plenty of opportunity right now. I mean, they're starting him. Shaden Sharp isn't even starting. I know that was probably injury-related. They're, they're giving him the opportunity. And Portland is not winning. Like, they're not trying to win in a sense. Oh, I, I can see a situation in April where he averages – 22 points, five rebounds, five assists. He might sneak a he might sneak a triple double out there, and then the Westbrook comparisons are really about to start coming but back. Again, I still don't see much of a difference between now and and then, in a sense, because Simons was hurt. They moved Brogdon to the bench, so they've given him an opportunity. So here's my question for you. Okay. What makes Scoot better than Keontae George? Now, their, their numbers are similar as far as inefficiency. Keontae is averaging 11 points, four and a half assists, three rebounds. He's shooting 37%. I mean, honestly, you can say the difference is the hype. Keontae, I mean, he did have some buzz after a, a great summer league. But Keontae is putting up similar numbers on a team that is actually surprisingly I don't want to say they're no, good. Hold on, time out, time out. Utah is good when they decide to play Larry Markin. It almost just comes down to that. Like, if you play – yo, Lowry is legit very good at basketball. The Jazz are one game behind the Lakers for the play-in. The Jazz were good <laughs> last year until they started tinkering. Yeah. So, it's like, if you play Lowry, if you play Kessler, if you play Kelly Olynyk, like, you play those guys, they're going to be competitive. But when, like, Lowry got hurt – uh, or you may, you know, whatever, decide we're going to do in the front office. I mean, you know, you get it. And they kind of ironed out some of that, that guard play, too. But I mean, they had, some, they had some injuries where, I mean, they still have quite a few guards. I mean, they have Sexton. You got, obviously, Keontae. You got THT. You got Clarkson. I think Clarkson could be moved because right now, be moved. right now, like I said, the Jazz are one game out of the play-in. 
I mean, you figure or you hope Golden State can can turn around. I think somehow, some way, the NBA is not going to have the Golden State Warriors miss. <laughs> Man, it may not be up to the NBA if the boys keep blowing twenty five point leads. But then you, you, the scary thing is the Lakers. Their two best players have been healthy. They're one AD fall away from him missing three weeks, and then they could fall behind it. There is a, a possibility that the Utah Jazz could be in the mix for the play-in. And so it, it'll be interesting to see like what happens with, with Utah after the trade deadline. But they could be competing, even though they're probably not planning to compete, with Keontae playing a significant role. So I think that he's exceeded expectations compared to where they were at this time last year, especially as a point guard. Like I, I spoke to an NBA scout about Keontae, and I was asking him, has he been surprised with, with his passing and his playmaking? Because he wasn't necessarily known as, as a good passer, and I think his passing has been better than advertised. And what he mentioned was a lot of times when people are evaluating a player, they go to Synergy and they may watch – possessions or they may go watch a guy's assist and they may say, ah, you know, he's making basic reads, but he was like, if you really watched Keontae last year, you saw he was making left-hand passes, but you had to watch the full games because not a lot of his great reads led to baskets. Guys mm -hmm. may have missed it. So I think Keontae has, has been, like I said, a better playmaker and passer than advertised. But I don't think, as of now, the gap between Scoot and Keontae is nowhere near as wide as it was at this time a year ago. Speaking of, I'll answer your question about the difference between Scoot and Keontae, but, like, hearing you talk about Keontae making left-hand passes, that is an issue that I have with Tyrese Proctor at Duke. Like, he won't make a left-hand pass to a wide-open guy on a wing to save his life. And, uh, you so know, you're saying if he drives left or he's going left, he's coming right here across his body still. And even if he's just up here doing this and we're trying to, you know, set a down screen for somebody, he's still picking it up with the right – picking up with both hands and throwing the ball with his right hand. So I was doing some research while you were talking, right? Now, I'm not a big per 36, per 100 possessions guy. Sometimes the, those numbers are deceiving, but in this case, let's use them. So, Scoot Henderson, per 36. I got to make sure it's so crazy that I have to make sure I'm looking at the right one. 15.7 points per game, 6.5 assists, 4.1 turnovers, 3.8 total rebounds. Shooting splits stay the same, 37% from the field, 30% from three, three free throw attempts. Okay. Keontae. 15.8 points per game, 6.5 assists, 4.4 rebounds, uh, four free throw attempts per game, 33% from the three-point uh, line, and 37% from the field. So I guess according to you know that stat formula, if you play them the same minutes, they're putting up the same production. If you want to value per 100 possessions, 21 points per game for both guys, Eight assists for both guys. So it's like, what's the difference? Good good call, Ralph. Yeah, the gap isn't as wide as people thought. I think Scoot isn't as good as he was projected to be. And I think Keontae is a much better point guard than anyone expected because he was widely considered like a combo guard, shoot first guy that may be like 
maybe has some point guard ability, but I think he's been a lot better passer than his advertised. All right, when we return, we're going to talk about the Thompson twins, and we're going to find out James's opinion on which rookie deserves that 10th spot or what rookies have surprised, and, and why aren't we talking about Hayson Wallace? Stay tuned. All right, before we get into the last segment, I want to talk to the audience and the listeners about better health. What are some of the things that you want to keep the same about yourself in 2024? What is an area that you are already crushing it? You know, it's like the opposite of the new year, new me, or new year, new you. With better help, they have therapy. They have these licensed counselors that will help you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make the changes that really stick. Every year, a lot of people get obsessed with how to change ourselves or change things in our life instead of really focusing on just expanding on what we already do well. It's kind of like in basketball scouting. Sometimes we tend to focus on what a player doesn't do well and not necessarily focus on what he does well and and how that will translate to success and i think it's the same with your everyday life if you are thinking about starting therapy you got to give better help a try it is entirely online it is designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge so celebrate the progress that you've made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA and you can get 10% off your first month. Our last segment, I want to hear your thoughts on the Thompson twins. I know their situations are a little different. Asur didn't miss time with, a, with an injury like Amon did. But what are your thoughts on the Thompson twins? What'd you say about Brandon Miller? He ran into the rookie wall. Yo, they put my man Asura into the rookie wall. And they picked him up and they put him in the wall. He's just not playing anymore. And again, I know you don't like the fit. I get it. But he played 20 minutes per game in December. He's down to 15 minutes per game in January. And it's like, I understand why, but I don't understand why. Because the team is still bad. And we're still trying to develop guys. I know, I, I know he can't shoot, but you know what? Hold on. We paid Monty Williams all this bread. Like 78 milli. He, he, he getting good money, man. Figure it out. You know. <laughs> I didn't like the fit from the beginning. I think on draft night, I called him, or I called the situation one of the, the biggest losers of draft night, and in my opinion. I just didn't like the fit. I just think Kate is the guy. Kate is your, your, your cornerstone. And I'm not mad at the pick. I think if you go best player available, then that made sense there. But I just thought the fit was nasty next to Kate Cunningham. Kate needs floor spacers or complimentary pieces around him. Yes, Thompson defends. Yes, he does a lot of things well. But in my opinion, I think Asur Thompson is best with the ball in his hands. And he's not going to get that opportunity in Detroit with the way the roster is constructed now. Because you have Jaden Ivey, who, I mean, there's questionable fit and feel there. Like, I don't know what position he's best at. 
I mean, you got Killian, who they're still trying to, you know, they're still trying to play and, and give him minutes. And so with Thompson being like their fourth ball handler, if he's their fourth ball handler, you put him in a situation where he's either at the dunker or, or spotting up. So I just thought it was a nasty fit from the beginning. Detroit. Obviously, they're going to have to make some changes to, mm. to that roster. Free us, sir, Thompson. They need man. talent, but... I'm not I'm not surprised at all with the way things are going because I just didn't think that he was in the best position to succeed. Detroit is nasty, a nasty situation. They last night against Sacramento, they scored 47 in the first quarter. They ended up losing by 21. No K last night. So why does a sore Thompson play 14 minutes? I don't know. And it's like you okay, we gotta we gotta figure out how to stop Malik Monk. We gotta figure out how to stop uh De'Aaron Fox, who is our best of, our best wing defender? Sir Thompson. Like, hey, man, I'm playing this dude all this money to coach, right? They went to the finals in 2021. Man, figure it out. And you don't like 3 and D guys, so you got a guy that's – you ask him to play to play D, but he just might – Again, I don't like 3 and D guys. You're right. But he's, he's not, not a 3. And D. He's not a 3. He's a basketball player. Yeah. Like – I gotta run the tape, but is he setting screens? Are we do we are we getting him lob opportunities? Are we putting him in the dunker? Like if you All just right, hide so him in the corner, he's gonna look like how he looks. But a bad shooter. This is why I didn't like the fit. I think he's best. Like the appeal of the Thompson twins were these hyper athletic ball handlers and passers and defenders. So if you got that, why are you talking about him setting screens and playing the dunker spot? Man, look, you got to That's why I did look, not like the got, fit. Okay, okay. <laughs> I so, got heavily criticized. But hold, on now, but hold on now, look. So, well, and let's segue into Kaysen Wallace. Now, Kaysen is shooting the cover off the ball, but they don't just stand him in the corner. He does more than just stand in the corner. He'll set a go screen for SGA. So you mean to tell me a sort Thompson can't go screen for Cade Cunningham, but but Kaysen can. Kaysen getting rolls. Kaysen is not just standing in the corner. Like, figure it out, man. That's all I'm saying. Look, y'all know he couldn't shoot. So why would you stand him in the corner? And the thing is, he is not, not can't shoot. He's a non-shooter. So, like, you can't sit here and say we drafted him to be a ball handler. If your ball handler can't shoot, then you got to find other ways to use But I think he'd be in a better situation if he did get ball screens and he was able to use his athleticism but and where, get downhill. Where is that situation? It's not, it's not, it's not going to happen in Detroit. But, and where, that's why. but where, where is, his brother is the exact, well, not the exact same player, but let's say his brother. I mean, it's as, as similar as you can get. As close <laughs> as you can get. And guess yeah. what? He's not getting minutes, maybe because he was hurt, but. Teams don't. And he's showing some stuff though. Like he shows. You see the ability, but ultimately, yeah. like we don't respect you as a shooter. If we don't respect Scoot as a shooter, we definitely don't respect y'all as shooters. So it's like, how do you put somebody on the ball when we have better a better ball handler? I'm not saying that uh, Killian and those other guys are better ball handlers than than uh, Asur right now, but like. How do you make it work? And I don't, I, don't, I don't say I have the answer to this question, but how do you make it work when you draft a guy, same, same question in Detroit, who can't shoot, that needs to handle the ball? Like, how do you find minutes for him when he's not our second or maybe even our third best ball handler? I don't know. I mean, I guess the question going forward is, 
where can the Thompson twins get the opportunity to play more with the ball in their hands? Because right now, based off of the rosters that they're both on, it doesn't look like either is in an ideal situation to fully showcase what made people so high on them in the first place. Now, I would love to see Amin or, or Sewer in San Antonio, <laughs> even though That's the true. shooting is, isn't there. But I, at least I know that they'd be able to get Victor some looks and you'd have – I mean, I think they'd be fun to watch in a sense because I would much rather see them with the ball in their hands than playing this off-the-ball role. All right, let's talk about Cam Whitmore. Cam has – I mean, we knew Cam could score. We knew he was a bucket. We knew that when he gets the ball, it's going up. And, I mean, he was like the biggest faller on, on draft night. I mean, I thought at one point he was going to go number five. I thought he was going to go to Detroit. In a sense, I still think Cam Whitmore to Detroit makes more sense. That's true. <laughs> than, than a sore Thompson. He goes to Houston. They have a log jam. They don't have a lot of minutes for him, but he ends up finding a way to get in the rotation. You can make a case and say that he's been better than Amin Thompson as far as fit. What are your thoughts on Cam Whitmore? Man, look, all Cam Whitmore, Cam Whitmore needs a 15 minutes. Oh, he can get you 13. He, he get 15 minutes, he's going to score double figures. Yeah. And you know what? Not only did maybe Detroit make a mistake, but you got to look at the Lakers too, man. The Lakers had a chance. They had an opportunity. And it's early. Don't come after me, Shafino family. It's early. Yeah. But, like, Cam Whitmore makes a lot of sense in L.A. too. Athletic. Jaime Hawkins made sense in L.A. That's he was true. right in their backyard. That's true too. But we talked. We already talked about high mate. Cam Whitmore, athletic, score, can shoot. Lakers right now, they lack shooting. You can say they lack. And eh, they just have too many one-dimensional. Yeah, guys. too many one-dimensional guys. So you know, I, I just want to throw that out there. But Cam Whitmore, hey man, look, he's taking advantage of the, these this min, these minutes that are available with Dylan Brooks being sidelined for I think an undeterminable amount of time. And like I said, man, he's going look. 15 minutes. Give him 15 minutes. He's going to get up his shots. He's going to score. Is Trace Jackson Davis out the rotation when Draymond Green returns? I have no idea. <laughs> because as a starter, Trace Jackson Davis is at 14-7-2. He was always good. I, I really want to figure out who is this year's Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, the product... Activity was amazing in, in college, and you knew that the knock on him was that he didn't space the floor. I don't know if the reason he fell to so late was because maybe they were saying, like, they're not going to take two ways and sort of get teams to pass on him so he can get to the right situation with Golden State. But he is another example of of the a good fit, and I think he should be playing over Looney. At least right now. I think in the playoffs, you're going to have to go with Looney. But I, I do think that they have to figure out a way to get him minutes the remainder of the season. Yeah, that's going to be tough because, like, Looney, if you run into Sacramento again, you got to play Looney. Yep. You know, it's, it's going to be tough for him. But, again, he, he, when he plays, he looks like he belongs. All right, out of Grady Dick, Jairus Walker, Anthony Black, Taylor Hendricks, out of those guys I mentioned, who do you think has the best opportunity to crack the top 10 in Rookie Review Volume 4? Anthony Black. He's the only one getting minutes right now. and But at the same time, the uh, folks just came back. Anyway, that wraps up this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. This is part two. Stay tuned for our next episode 
where James and I, I don't know when we're going to release it, but we're going to have an episode where James is going to talk about why he's not high on three and D players, even though that's like the archetype that everybody wants and likes. James is going to give his not, thoughts on why everybody. he would rather have versatile ball players than guys that have a role of just defending and standing in the corner. Well, that wraps up this episode. Once again, it's Raphael Barlow with my brother James, and we are out.